welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ. He is Steve. And my goodness, the force is strong with us in episode 255 today, December 30th, 2021. We're going to be going into our nitty gritty of the topic of the day. But before we do that, Make sure you throw a thermal detonator at that subscribe button. Maybe force push that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week, every week. We are pleased as punch to have Nick, a.k.a. Big Baby Moose, rejoin us for an encore of the show. And what a show it is. In fact, speaking of, I say we dive right into our topic of the day. So I thought it'd be good to start things off with how Galaxy's Edge itself debuted in 2019, which wasn't that far along ago, if you think about it. I mean, it was just two years ago. And what's interesting was that it first debuted, I want to say, in Disneyland first in May. It was like May 31st or May 25th, somewhere around there of 2019. And then it debuted in Disney World in um, August. I think it was August 29th of uh, 2019. So very close to each other in terms of that release. And then COVID happened. And so really like you had kind of a a burst of like diehard Star Wars fans that would um, go check out this, this new land at the Disney theme parks for like the first six months. And then all of a sudden we all just went into like the whole shutdown period and Disney park shut down for a while. I think it was like toward the end of 2020 that they started to kind of sort of open up again. But again, it just wasn't at the level as, as it once was. And so here we are in 2021 and Um, there is a significant amount of folks who really have not had a chance to go check this place out. And so what I thought was super fun was that Nick told me about how he and his family had booked a trip to Disneyland and how they were going to be there for like a week or so. Um, And what ended up happening was like right around that same time, um, my wife's parents ended up contacting us because they had some timeshare that they needed to burn. It was like the whole like use it or lose it type of scenario. And it happened to be in Florida. And so we ended up planning a trip over to Disney World. And so um, I thought that for this episode, it'd be a lot of fun to be able to go back and forth with Nick. I know Steve hadn't um, had a chance recently to go, but he's going to he's going to you know maybe pop in a I'll question or two. chime in when I can, Russ. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but anyway, I thought, how cool would it be since Nick and his family was at Disneyland just a month ago, and then my family just returned from Disney World, we could kind of compare notes and see like what our experiences have been like. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be great to start off with talking about the, you know, what, what was it like for you, Nick, to be able to return to Disneyland? I assume you had been to Disneyland before this trip. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Several times. Okay. So I think that we had discussed like real briefly um, a little while back about like the last time that we had been, I know for myself, the last time I was at a Disney park was in 2003. What was it for you? Uh, I want to say late 2001, early 2002. Okay. So it's, it's actually pretty close to um, the last time I was at Disneyland. So it had been around 18 to 20 years for you. Uh, right around that time. So, I mean, it's a significant amount of time. What was it like for you 
uh, just to, to step off the shuttle or whatever it was that got you to Disneyland and be able to kind of cross through the gates of the entrance and be back at uh, one of the happiest places on earth. You know, it was, uh, it was incredible, honestly, just because of how things have been really for the last uh, couple of years here with COVID. Uh, there's been this, I don't know what you'd say, I guess just kind of like disconnect from people and from life in some ways, you know, because of, of COVID and what it's done to the nation and with things being closed. And we had actually planned to do a trip there in 2020 and then COVID happened, it shut down. And so we threw it out the window and we're kind of like, okay, we'll get around to it sometime. Who knows right. when? Um, and then, yeah, it was coming around. We're like, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's find a way. Let's make it happen. Uh, and so after things opened up in 20, late 2020, you're like, let's go back. And it was quite the experience because it had been 20 years. The last time I was there was when I was in the Navy and it was a bittersweet time going to the happiest place on earth because the towers had just fell and the mm. Pentagon had just been hit. Uh, I was actually supposed to deploy and I had broken my arm. And so I didn't deploy with my unit and I was pretty, pretty upset about that. But uh, a ton of places down in Southern California had been offering to service members because they knew what we were going, going to be doing or already in the midst of doing, uh, offered entrance into the parks for free. So this was like SeaWorld, uh, Six Flags did it, Disneyland did it, and California Adventure had just opened up. Mm -hmm. So I was there right when it opened um, and got to see what that was like. And it was interesting going back because a lot has changed there. Uh, initially, it was kind of designed as this sort of like throwback to old theme parks and carnivals and things of that nature. The, it has taken on a lot different identity now where it has a ton of Marvel integration it has uh, a lot of the Pixar stuff has been integrated into it as well. And it was interesting to go see some old rides that have now been reimagined. Right. Uh, Tower of Terror is now the Ga Guardians of the Galaxy ride. The, uh, the Incredicoaster, which was just a roller coaster before, is now the Incredicoaster, uh, themed after the Incredibles. Fantastic roller coaster. Very fun. But uh, yeah, so going from that experience where you're going there, and, and I was going there, thankfully, uh, you know, for free <laughs> at the time. And then coming back 20 years later after COVID, very different situation, but in some ways a similar feeling where there's been this sense of loss and this sense of, um, I don't know, just sort of a, almost a depressed state. And it was amazing. Yeah. We, we came in on the shuttle. Uh, we stayed at the Disneyland Hotel, the original one, which awesome. was fantastic. Just had a great time. We flew in and the first couple of days we were there, we just stayed at the hotel and did it low key, played in the pool had a good time. And then after we were there for two days, then we went into the park. Oh man. And that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's the way to oh, do it. Was, it. It was great. It was, it was the perfect way. And so we walked over to the, the monorail, which I love the monorail. Yes. I, it's, it's just an incredible thing to get on. It's, it's silly, but it's just cool, right? Get on the monorail and you get dropped off in Tomorrowland, which prior to, but to being a thing was my favorite part of. Sure. So I'm immediately getting led into my previous favorite place in the park. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you walk out into Tomorrowland. We immediately ran, hopped on the Buzz Lightyear ride and then hit Space Mountain and then just started making our way through the park. And it was cool because my kids had never been there. And this was their first time. They're 11 and 14. I know they'll remember it forever. And it, when we were building up to it, we were like, hey, you know, this isn't like any park you've been to before. Yeah. This is Disneyland. And we don't have television at the house. We We do streaming things. So they don't see a lot of commercials and stuff. So they don't. They didn't have the scope. They got there and they were like, 
<laughs> you know, jaw on the floor, like eyes this big around, about fall out of their head. Sure. And uh, all of a sudden it hits them that like, this is something else. Like this isn't like wild waves that we got up here off the I-5. It's a little tiny park or something like that, or even Silverwood over in Idaho. This is something a little different, yep. a little bit bigger. And it was the coolest thing to just watch them experience that. That's awesome. Yeah, we had a very similar situation in the sense that we took our seven-year-old daughter for the first time to Disney World. And she, you know, she's been kind of sort of integrated into a little bit of like kind of like the the Disney ecosystem with like Disney Plus and some of the movies that have come out. She's familiar with Pixar. Pixar, of course, yeah. But I, I feel as though like her being seven years old, like I, I don't know if I would want to take her any younger than that because I feel like she's at kind of a mental developed state where like she'll actually remember the trip. Because I know <laughs> I remember like like when you and I first went to Disneyland a long time ago, we were super young. Like I yeah. barely remember any of that. But the second time we went, then I had a much better recollection of like what was going on and we had fun stories and that sort of thing. But uh no, it was for, for us. So we didn't stay in, in a, a Disney hotel. I wish we could. That That's, it's so funny. We're already planning like the sequel trip. Oh, so, yeah. so we're like, okay, you know, next time we've got to stay at like a Disneyland ho- or Disney World, whichever one we go to, like, like one of the Disney hotels, because I have never stayed at one and I hear it's actually quite a delight to be able to stay at one of those places. Um, so for us, you know, it was interesting to be able to arrive at the park and we, we got a rental car, we drove and it was, I gotta say like there's, there is something very special that occurs when you walk through the entrance gate. I have to pause you there, Russ. Yes, Steve. One of the earliest parts that I remember mm-hmm. as a little kid was prior to getting in the park. When you walked on the plane, the plane had a smiley face. Oh, do you man. remember that? I so I do remember that. The yeah. plane, like you know, came up parked, and I'm like, I'm five years old or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, that plane's got a smile on it. And like, opposed to the other planes, are like, oh, like just plain no faces, you know, whatever. And to, to a kid, it's like, oh my gosh, you're like everyone looking at everything, you know, as a cartoon and like sure. a stuffed animal, whatever, with with smiles and stuff. So the plane parks. I'm like, I want to ride on that plane. Yeah. Even though it's the normal like jet. That man, I totally forgot about that. Ah. Um, <laughs> so we, we flew Southwest oh. and there wasn't any kind of smiley faces on there. It makes me ah. wonder how they came up with that promotion. Like did, did Disney have like a partnership with some of the airlines where like if they fly, say into Anaheim, that they get they some sort of like have, Mickey yeah. Mouse or cartoon styled smile. I totally remember that because yeah. it gave personality to the uh, the jet itself. And especially back then, you didn't have the types of user experiences that you're starting to see today where like they're actually kind of sort of making an effort to make it not such a <laughs> arduous, awful experience. And so back then it was like the <laughs> one little like glint of like positivity that you would have. That's That's really funny. So going back to what I was saying, right. going through the entrance. So what's interesting is how they are very intentional with how they design the park where it's literally like you were leaving reality and you were entering into this fantasy land. 
And it, it's where like once you get inside, you can't, it's not like I can look over and I can see the end of the park property <clears throat> and go, oh, there's a Best Buy right there and there's the freeway and, you know, so on and so oh. forth. They, they intentionally shroud all that stuff so that you are 360 degrees in their world. And I got to say that, like, what's funny is that I, too, am in my 40s and it doesn't matter how old you are. You walk through and you are instantly hit with like this nostalgia of being a kid and going through the park. And I think that's one of the exclusive unique attributes that Disney has been able to perfect. And I I just, I found myself smiling and watching my daughter go through and having this rush of memories come back and that sort of thing. And again, like it's been like 18 years since last time I was at any Disney park. And so it, it was definitely really, really cool just to see the, you know, the branded Mickey mouse ears plastered everywhere. And like you're walking down main street and, and you see just, just this iconic classic Americana that just has stood all these different decades. Um, and not only that, but like during the, the, you know, being so close to, to Christmas time, they had decorated main street with all kinds yes. of Christmas decorations and garland and that sort of thing. Nick, did they do that for you in, in Disneyland or was it too soon since you went in November? No, it was all Christmas out. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I sent you a photo of, uh, the Christmas tree Excellent. on main street. Um, yeah, it was completely done up. Uh, the, the haunted mansion was actually set up to be, the nightmare before Christmas uh-huh. inside. Nice. So they, going on the haunted mansion was a completely different experience for me from any other time I've gone. I've always kind of gone in spring or summer prior to this. Sure. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. They had the whole thing just decked out and you're exactly right. You walk into that place and it's like walking to another world and it's all encompassing and you're surrounded and immersed by it. And I mean, the it, it, it's the atmosphere, it's the environment, it's the people that work there fantastic yes. they're happy they're glad to see you and it's like like i mean i was saying with the whole last two years being what they've been it was just like i felt like this weight just kind of like taken off of me and it was like it just felt good to be out yes <laughs> and to be somewhere that was happy and to be around other people who are happy and yeah it was it was really kind of um emotionally very uh, cathartic cathartic and almost overwhelming in some ways because it was just kind of like I had no idea how disconnected I've been totally and I'm an introvert kind of by by nature uh, and but even I need human interaction and it was just it was really wonderful to walk through that place and all of a sudden it was just like everybody's putting everything all the extra stuff aside all that and granted you still had to be masked in some cases and stuff but at least in California, but it was only when you're indoors. That was the same for um, us in Florida. But, but, um, you could just kind of forget about yeah. it all and just be there yeah. and feel good. And it was cool to see my kids feeling good and to feel good myself. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Did they have like a anti-social media? Like, you know, when you walk through the door, it's like, okay, you got to exit out your Facebook. You got to exit out your Twitter. <laughs> all, all the social media is like, it's gone when you end <laughs> Like, okay, I felt great. It was amazing. (laughs) Oh, gosh, yeah. No, that wouldn't be a terrible idea, honestly. I mean, we're we're so plugged in nowadays. Um, It is hard to unplug. It is hard to disconnect uh, from the sheer amount of information that we have access to at any given time 
be it a personal information like Facebook or be it news or whatever else. And so to go in there, it was like, you're, you're so immersed in it and there's so much to see and do. You just don't find yourself, at least I didn't, I, I didn't find myself looking at my phone really mm-hmm. at all. So it, it was nice. Cause yeah, you are, you're just sort of like unplugged. Yeah. And I can say the same thing for myself as well, where you, you totally had signal. Like if you wanted to get on social media, you could, but I think that's, again, that's one of the unique aspects about being at a Disney theme park is you don't have really any interest. I mean, yeah, if you take a picture, I, I, I could totally see if you're with friends or something and, and you just want to take a selfie and send it on social media. Sure. But I do take note of what Nick said as something that also happened to me as well when I was at the park where I was so much more into enjoying the moment of going from land to land, you know, they have adventure land and future and yeah, sure. so on and so forth. I, I, it's, it's tomorrow. tomorrow oh, oh right. sorry. Tomorrow I haven't even Come seen Tomorrowland, by the way. Yeah, you have. I have not Tom- seen Tomorrowland. Space Mountain is a part of Tomorrowland, Steve. It is? No, it's yes. not. Yes. yes, it is. Yeah, so it's Star Tours. Star yeah. Tours, still there. Uh-huh. Awesome. Uh-huh. That's that's yes. classified as Tomorrowland? Yes, that's all, that, that that's is all a part of uh, Tomorrowland. Yeah. Hmm. Indeed. Learned something new. There you go. I did not know that. You are overdue to visit. <laughs> I've been to Tomorrowland. <laughs> I can't ever get there because I'm stuck in today. Yeah, I'm stuck in today land. Dang. It's hard enough to get back to the past land. Yeah. Well, yeah. I and again, uh, I going back to what we were talking about just now. I do really love that quality about how again, it's not something that, that that's like, you know, it hits you on mm. the face, really. Like it, it is interesting to think back though when I was at the park as well as you Nick about how like I literally the only time I took my phone out was to either take a picture or take video. And then I would just put it back in my pocket and we would go and check out the next attraction. Is that the, pretty much like what you did as well? Yeah, no, that was exactly. As a matter of fact, we didn't post anything till after we got back. Yeah. Mm. Same not, here. Not a thing. I, I may have shot you a couple of text messages, I think uh, over the course while I was there, cause you'd forgotten that I was yep. going, but uh, that, that was about it. We pretty much were just like, we are here <laughs> We are just going to enjoy this experience, immerse ourselves completely, and enjoy a a break from all the other things. And I can't tell you how good for the heart and yes. soul that was. Amen. It was it was needed. And I can give you a juxtaposition because while oh, we were down work. there, we also went to Universal Studios for mm-hmm. a day. And it's a very different part. I don't want to disparage Universal. Um, it, it was fun and it had some cool things. And what they've done with Hogsmeade is very much akin to what Disneyland as a whole mm-hmm. is. Hogsmeade is very immersive. You feel like you're walking into Harry Potter. It's incredible. How many weeks? Were you they there for really one week or job. two weeks? We were there a for week. a week. Okay. Yeah, we were there for a week. And But the people that are working there are not as happy. Yeah. Like You don't get the sense that they're, <laughs> they're joyous that you're there. They're just kind of there. It's just a job. And because the areas in the park at Universal are not as thematic and you can see out of that park because you're up on a right. hill, you don't have that sense of uh, that that insular seclusion that lets you kind of escape reality, and you're keenly aware of the fact that you're you know near Burbank in L.A. Um, and it's just different. And I didn't find myself enjoying the park or feeling as rested and restful like as I did when I was at Disneyland. I, you know, the crowd thing bothered me more. Um, they the hospitality things aren't quite as 
amenable to the public as far as like where you stand in line a lot of the time. And it was really hot when we were there. It was like 98 degrees. Oh, wow. It was crazy hot. <laughs> yeah, they were having record-breaking heat. And so there's like next to no shade in a lot of these things. So yeah, you're hot. And, it, and I don't know. It was just it was just different. It didn't capture the imagination. And it didn't draw you in the way Disneyland does. The Disney Imagineers have done such a good job at at literally making you feel like you've been transported to a different mm-hmm. place and a different time that um, I've yet to go to another park that does that. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and that was actually a conversation that uh, my wife and I had about as we were thinking about other types of parks and Universal Studios did come up in terms of how it gets close to the Disney experience. But we feel as though it's kind of in between like if you think of Six Flags or Great America and Disneyland, it's like Universal's kind of in the middle. It's like, it's better. It's more immersive. It's better than like say a great America or six flags, something like that. But it's not at the same level as Disney. And I think that that has been something like you said, has been meticulously cultivated by the folks over at Disney. Um, I mean, just to give you like an idea, the cleanliness of the park. It's so funny because we would have inklings about like, you know, back when we went to Disney, like, Oh, this is like really clean place, right? There's no trash anywhere. And that's still very true to today. And, um, I mean, my goodness, I remember when we got back from the vacation, Leslie, um, who had bought brand new shoes for our daughter held the, the bottoms of the soles up to me. And there was hardly any kind of like stains or dirt or whatever it, they, they looked like 90% brand new. And that's after we had walked about eight miles a day <laughs> for an entire week. And the first day that we got there, it was raining. Like she was walking through puddles and her shoes were still clean. So that gives you an idea of like how clean it was. Um, another thing that I think is worth mentioning too, in terms of the cleanliness and the the proactive nature of the staff at Disney was, I remember I went to a restroom and um, there was either a kid or a, it may have been a special needs adult who um, just had difficulty in the bathroom and, and had made, we'll just say a mess. Um, and literally like from the time I walked in to, to use the bathroom, to when I walked out, three Disney employees had descended upon that bathroom and had totally cleaned up the mess that was made on the floor in there. And it was just like, wow, this is insane. Um, when we went to Epcot, another example is I was going to the bathroom there in one of the stalls and I could, you know how you can tell like when another person in a stall close to you is done and they flush the toilet, they leave everything else. After every person who would leave a stall I would hear someone come in with a spray bottle and spray down the toilet and the walls and stuff. And I would hear rubbing going on and whatnot. I mean, like unparalleled hygiene at Disney parks. It it was just like, and and again, as someone who's passively like just witnessing this, you're just like, my goodness, like why can't all places be like this? Anyway, I feel like it's worthy of note just because you we it's pretty rare that you come across that. Wouldn't you agree? Can you work at my local gas station? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah no kidding. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's the thing. There's an attention to detail that happens at, at these parks that it's kind of its own thing, right? Yeah. There, there aren't other places that go this kind of extra mile to create that kind of atmosphere where you can really just sort of you know, immerse yourself in the experience and, and forget about all the peripheral things you'd normally be worrying about, like a dirty toilet. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it does make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then one other thing I think is worthy of note too, before we transition over to um, Galaxy's Edge is how, you know, in your case, you went to Disneyland and Universal Studios, you had fun at both places. And then in my case, because we were at Disney World, they've done this thing where they've split up um, quite a few different parts of the park. So like you have Disney World, which is essentially like Magic Kingdom. And then you have Epcot Center. And then you have um, Animal Kingdom, which we did not do. But they also have Hollywood Studios. And we did go to that. That's where Galaxy's Edge was based out of. So it is a bit interesting in terms of how there are similarities where like, you know, a lot of the same rides coexist on, the, on both coasts, but the location of where these places exist is a bit different because I, I want to say was galaxy's edge in California adventure for you, Nick, or was it in the magic kingdom? No, it's in the magic kingdom. Okay. It's off by itself on the edges of Frontierland. You walk through a tunnel, half the tunnels frontier land, and then the sounds change <laughs> and the lighting change. <laughs> And you walk into Batu, and it is the coolest thing experience if you're a Star Wars fan that you will ever yeah, have. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, and and I think we could even we could even talk about that too about how uh, it was really funny. I I made a joke. I had taken uh, selfies of myself of my my face because we were trying to figure out where the uh, the Galaxy's Edge land existed. We knew it was in Hollywood Studios somewhere. And we're sort of like, where the heck You're is somewhere. this place? And then I had a, a before and after shot. So then you see my, my after face. <laughs> I, just, I look so ridiculous. I, I mean, it's it's the total like, you know, I you know died and gone to Star Wars heaven kind of thing. It was, it was, it was super, super funny. But yeah, I, I love how they, it was, it was very similar for us too, Nick, in terms of they had this kind of tunnel that, that turns a corner and you can tell how like you're leaving the previous part of the park and you're going into galaxy's edge. And I was floored when I saw the, just, just the, you know, you, you, you go around that corner and the Vista just be, it's like revealed to you almost like you're watching a star Wars movie. And they give that, that like uh, kind of a setup shot that like reveals the world that you're going into. Let me tell you something. Okay. I was going to say this, <laughs> that entire area galaxy's edge is camera ready. Like you could shoot a film there and it would look, it would oh, yeah. look legit. Like you would not be able to tell if, you were watching a movie and it, like, it was like Hollywood based and everything else. Or if you were in a theme park, totally like it was insane how much care and attention was to the detail. Would you agree, Nick? 100%. You walk into this place and I mean, mm. you literally feel like you just walked into like, it'd be like walking onto Tatooine. It has that kind of vibe, like walking into Moss Eisley and Oh, it's so hard to put it into words because like you come out of this tunnel like I said and the lights change to a more Star Wars-y sci-fi style and not only does it all look like something straight out of the film you've got the sounds because it's a spaceport yes. so you're hearing like your you know your quintessential Star Wars you know space jets you know and ship yeah. sounds as they fly in and out of the support Every little thing, the little details with just like little subtle sounds, larger sounds like a spaceship, uh, things of that nature. 
you are immediately well, there. I mean, and if you don't mind me jumping in real quick, Nick, about the sound. So just to give you an idea, Steve. Sure. They have set up some kind of audio system within the park itself where the, you know how like, like if you have like say 7.1 surround sound in your like home theater or whatever, it's like, oh, that sounds cool. You got surround yeah. sound. It's that on crack. So like they, they have <laughs> nice. the, these hidden speakers that are high. They're not like down low, like, sure. oh, look, there's a speaker behind the tree. It's not like that at all. It's actually like they have them somehow high up. And so you will literally hear like a TIE fighter go. And from one side of it from to the one other. side of the, of the, not the park, but like of Galaxy's Edge to the other. And it causes everybody to look up because it's it sounds right. legit. Like it sounds like you just heard a TIE fighter buzz you. And they had like sounds for like what Nick was saying, like for X-Wing fighters and for various types of Corellian freighters. Yes. And, yeah, all that. Absolutely. <laughs> and so it, it is it is super cool. And actually, just to add one other thing to the sound, mm-hmm. the first day that we were there at Hollywood Studios, you know, I was, I was uh, commenting earlier how it was raining. Well, it was overcast and cloudy, so we couldn't see the blue sky, but we could hear things. So let me tell you, as someone who has like a crazy visual imagination, when I would hear a ship buzz our heads and you look up and it's all cloudy and stuff, your mind fills in the details. You're just like, dude, that was like, that was right there. That was really there. Anyway, sorry, Nick. I I, uh, kick it back to you. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I pay. This is a interactive experience, an interactive podcast. Yes. I had to you jump know, in because because you keyed on something. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Dude, I mean, the, the sound, and then you walk around and you've got all these little shops and like, I mean, I don't know if they had it there, but they had a full size, full size Millennium yes, Falcon. Yes, one to one scale. One to one scale Millennium Falcon. Same thing for Kylo Ren's yep. ship. You know, you've got Chewbacca walking around. I saw Ray running around. Uh, Kylo Ren and a bunch of stormtroopers came out. They actually interacted with my eldest daughter, which was hilarious. What happened? She was, well, they came out and they were saying they're looking for, obviously, you know, people who are against the First Order. And they're pulling people up and talking to them. And Kylo Ren's basically threatening everybody. <laughs> and the two, the two stormtroopers are hilarious. They're just like, please, please don't make him mad. <laughs> they, they were great. They were really funny. And so like my daughter, of course, and she wants, she low key wants him to pick her, but is like also like very, uh, she's like me. She's a bit, sure. but she kind of low key wants him to pick her anyway. So she's got her little Kylo Ren hood on that she got, and she's got her lightsaber on her hip. And she's kind of like flashing it around like, Hey, <laughs> hey, I'm over here. Why don't you call me Mr. Kylo. Hey, big boy. And, and, and so, yeah, he calls her and interrogates her. And I'm like, I told her, I'm like, he, you're going to chicken out. You're not going to say that you're against him. You're part of the resistance. And she did. She's like, oh, no, no, I'm with the First Order. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally, totally with the First Order, Kylo. Whatever you want, Kylo. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it was, it's just a great experience because it's super, it is. It's incredibly immersive. And I would say in that part of the park, more than anywhere else, you had an interaction with the, the actors. Yes. That you're not getting in any other part of the park on that level. I mean, obviously the Disney characters come out everywhere you take pictures and then they weren't out like normal where they're walking around the park because of COVID they're trying to keep them safe and not have little kids probably run up and give them hugs yeah. and stuff which <laughs> normally would happen get away from your kid. so they have them in areas where they're close and you can get close but you can't get right next to them but even with that like there would be stormtroopers walking up on the top and if you said something to them they'd start you know talking smack back to you that's awesome you know, Kylo's interacting with the crowd and Chewbacca was roaring at us and waving and 
So it's a very, it's a, just a very incredibly immersive experience. And for Star Wars fans, there's all kinds of stuff there to see and do. They've got, I mean, almost what I would say close to uh, uh, movie accurate costumes you can buy. They've got the lightsaber experience where you can go and, and make the lightsabers as well. You've got a droid building experience. You've got a number of different things that you can do there that just sort of pull you in even more. Sure. And just keep drawing you in. The only thing I didn't get to do was the cantina because the line to get, or not really the line, it was the reservations to get in it were extremely long. But yeah, if you're a Star Wars fan, there's a lot to do and the rides are incredible. And I mean, my 14 year old was basically just turned to me like the second time we went there the next day. It was like, Dad, she's like, can we just stay in Batu? Right. <laughs> I'm just like, uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I would have liked to. Now, granted, we needed to see other things, but it's it's it was funny. I found myself thinking, how much more enjoyable. And I have a good job. I have a very good job. But there's part of me just like, just say me. I'm just gonna come work at Batu. I'm just gonna be in there Star Wars for the rest of my life and just work in Batu until I retire and just be in this world and just soak it up. And it's that kind of a place. It really is. And um, were you going to say something to you? I was going to ask. Oh. I got to know. Oh. And it's not really that big of a deal, honestly. But I mean, do they have little droids like rolling around everywhere? Like the like little Imperial, like little car looking thing? I didn't see. Okay, for, for my <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, oh, right? I, I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like the little battery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not see. Okay, well, okay, let me back it up. So they do have I did not see this. They have a one-to-one scale R2-D2 unit that right. does go around. Uh, you, you know, if you want to give it a hug, you can. It, <laughs> there's someone who's controlling it somewhere, but like it, it will be rolling around. Um, I'm glad I heard Nick talk about some of the engagements with some of the cast members that were dressed up as Star Wars characters because we didn't have that in Florida. Um, the first day that we were there, it's, I, it's too hot. Well, no, actually it wasn't hot at all. Oh, no, it, yeah. it, the whole week it was in the sixties. Oh, nice. It was fantastic. But like oh, the first, I, I feel like it was, we were kind of off because the first day was when we like really hit galaxy's edge. That was when it was raining. So I think a lot of like, you know, the cast member engagement with the patrons kind of thing was put on the back burner. We did. Was it dampened? Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there, Nikki Poo. Hey. I like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we did see Ray uh, briefly because we were in line for Rise of the Resistance, but we didn't want to forfeit our place in line. But we saw her from a distance. We're like, oh, sweet. And she was around one of the X-Wing fighters. But that was one of the things that we unfortunately did not get a chance to experience. We didn't get to see the stormtroopers uh, walking around on patrol. We didn't see Kylo Ren. We didn't see Chewbacca. So that is something that uh, we are definitely looking forward to. The next time we go, we we want to see all that go down because I was reading online about how apparently there is some kind of fun little stage performance that they do where like Chewbacca starts fighting with the stormtroopers and you have explosions and stuff. And like they, they, they leverage part of the production design of the land itself to, to like turn it into like an impromptu fight or battle sequence, <laughs> which is, is pretty sweet. So I'm glad for yes. you, Nick, that, that your family was able to, to have that type of experience for sure. And there was one other thing that I wanted to to talk about too before we we move past it. Which oh, so going back to like the idea of Batu itself, what I think is super special. I think Nick, you would agree with me, is that the character of the land itself 
is first of all, it, it is it's incredible because it you just you feel like you have walked onto set or you've walked into the Star Wars world. But one of the things I thought was incredible was how different the character of Galaxy's Edge changed when it became nighttime. Yes, yes, it was incredible because yeah. the way it lights up, it's it's very unique has a very unique atmosphere because the light, uh, I mean, I don't know how it was for you, but the light tones were very subdued. I mean, there was yes. some neon here and there, your reds and blues that are typical for, for Star Wars, but it was a very subdued low light. And yet there was this kind of glowing ambiance to all the buildings and the little cloves and stuff. And it just looked incredible. And again, you just wanted to be there. And we stayed there uh, every night that we could, we stayed there till the park yes. closed. And we had one of the nights that we did there, we stayed and we stayed in Batu specifically because Emma and I just wanted to keep riding the Millennium Falcon <laughs> to try the different spots on the Millennium uh -huh. Falcon ride. And it was cool. Like the last time we went, there was like five minutes left. And they're just like, you want to go again? We're like, yeah. They had all of the Disney actors that work on the ride were lined up outside the entrance to it. And they're like clapping us as we go in like, yeah, oh, that's awesome. Fight the resistance. There's like 15, 20 of them out there. And. It was so cool because you just like you run through and you're just like waving like, yes, yes, I'm important. Oh, yeah. Yes. Go, <laughs> waving to your subjects. The first order. Yeah, exactly. No, it was it was just a neat experience. And yeah, it's it's lit up. I, I sent you some great pictures of our, our experience at night as well. And it is a very different place. It night. is. It has this kind of like cozy. Charming. It's whimsical. Like it smaller. Yeah. 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 And it looks like the whole place comes a little bit smaller at night. Yeah. A little bit more cozy, I guess you might say. Yeah, you definitely yeah. get like like a, a bang for your buck in the visual department with that because during the daytime, it definitely has uh, a, a very different vibe than the nighttime. The nighttime, all of a sudden, it comes on. And, and what one of the things I think is so cool about nighttime, all of the lights that they have incorporated into, whether it's on the ships or it's on the, the buildings or... Some of the like, like the weird like doodads or knickknacks that you find kind of strewn throughout the the area, the lights look like like they're they're Star Wars accurate. It sounds silly to hear myself say this, but like when you watch and, and you look at like all the lights, they look correct like how they look in the films when like say Luke Skywalker's walking by or Obi Wan Kenobi's walking by, and you know how they have the like those little arrangement of like little lit up buttons or something. You know, you don't even know what they go to but they're all over. They the place. are. They are totally all over the place and they look accurate. So yeah, you don't see bulbs or anything. No, like that. no, that, nothing like that. And yet the place is lit up. Well, indeed. Okay. Let us go from that and pivot over to savvy's lightsaber workshop. Shall we? <sighs> yes. Indeed. So this was one of the many attractions within the space where, um, it really, the thoughtfulness behind what they were doing with this, um, you could tell they wanted to make it a special experience. They involved this, this storytelling component in the sense that because it's like this kind of organic ecosystem that is Galaxy's Edge, they wanted to give kind of like this... Um, a secret meeting of sorts where you could build your own lightsaber, but make sure you don't tell the first order about it or, or the galactic empire or whoever like this needs to be something that like you, you, you keep on the down low, very hush hush, which I love because it wasn't like 
you would walk into like, say for instance, and again, I'm not being disparaging toward Lego or anything like close to that. But like, you know, you go to a little mall and like, you know, Lego is the first thing that comes to mind where like you can walk into their store and you can put together something because they have like a bunch of spare pieces and parts and you can do something and you know, you've got the employees like, oh, yeah, that'll be like $34.95 or whatever. Jeez. And that's that works for the mall experience. But in this case, it was very different where like, you, it was special. Like you, you sat down and you got to pick between four main themes of your lightsaber. And based off of that, they had multiple parts that you could choose within that, that class of lightsaber. And it was the, just the neatest experience where you had a personal assistant that kind of went through the stuff. They also had some exposition that they were like, you know, putting out there as well as you were going through it. And it became this wonderful, memorable moment where as you're putting it together, there was almost, I'm trying to think of like the right word, Nick, maybe you can help me out on this, but it was almost like, like a procession or some kind of like pomp and circumstance, if you will, where like once you had the lightsaber hilt completed, the personal assistant would then take it and then put it into like the table. They have like this very elongated circular table and you would turn on like you wouldn't you wouldn't pick up the, the hilt but you would just turn it on while it was connected to the table and you would see through this frosted glass the blade all of a sudden turn on in its color without seeing the blade and they like everybody would do it simultaneously so you saw all of this kaleidoscope of color come in and then whoops it had um <laughs> this this door this like swiveling circular like door that would open like a, just kind of, one of those futuristic kind of things and it was then that you could pick up the lightsaber out and everybody was just looking at it for the very first time I just thought it was brilliant what'd you think Nick absolutely it was kind of almost like a rite of passage yes totally you know it's, it's, it's how I would look at it and like it was so cool because like I guess normally when parks fully running normal the first order stormtroopers will come through there looking for Jedi sympathists and oh, really? sympathists and actually interrogate you while you're waiting to go into Savvy's. Wow. Like, hey, are you seeing any people, any Jedi around here? Blah, blah, blah. You need to let us know if you do that kind of thing. Um, and so I, I look forward to going back and seeing when that kind of experience can happen. But yeah, no, you go into this place and yeah, basically they're like, you know, they're disguised as junk collectors, but what they're really doing is collecting different bits of various parts from around the galaxy to create these hilts um, to basically outfit the future Jedi and in some cases the Sith uh, of the of the world. And yeah, you go in and it was so cool because originally we just were going to do myself and my two daughters because my wife wasn't really sure if she wanted to because it's not mm -hmm. cheap. And um, but then she like kind of like we got there and, and the people out there talking to you and everything was again, the Disney employees are so good at yeah. what they do and they're very into it very positive very immersed and so she's looking and watching us do it and our excitement's building and she's kind of like do you have room for one more and then granted you have to reserve right. Jesus. like this is not something you can typically just walk up and be like yeah can i get in here and make a lightsaber and no, it's hard by the way to make those reservations like we we weren't sure if we were yes. able to get myself in like leslie was like hardcore trying to get us in it. And then she was able to score it for us. Well, probably like two weeks out from our trip. Anyway, go ahead, Nick. <laughs> like a bribe. Yeah, no, exactly. And we, we had done ours. The initial reservation was the three of us. She was just like, can, can you fit in one more? And they're like, 
we have one opening. <laughs> so my wife did it. Dude. So my wife did it. So all four of us built this. We're all four sitting there next to each other. And yeah, there's this whole pomp and circumstance that happens with it where they're, they're talking about you know, what the force is and the history of lightsabers and the history of colors and who has wielded the various colors, you know, whether it's Qui-Gon Jinn with green and Yoda yep. and Luke Skywalker or the purple blade with Miss or Mace Windu. Um, and they even talk about some of the, the, the Sith and Anakin Skywalker with the red. And, and then you put these things together. Yeah. And you're right. And that little door just like opens up and you pull it out and you hold it up and the whole room. And you're right. It's a rainbow. Yeah. Just kaleidoscope of colors with everybody with their different lights. You get chills at that moment. And then Yoda kicks in. The whole room goes green. And then Yoda comes in and starts talking about the Force. And for for someone who loves Star Wars, uh, if you're a casual fan, maybe it wouldn't have as as big of an impact. But if you're somebody who grew up on Star Wars and loves Star Wars and loves the Force and the universe that that George Lucas created, you're going to be absolutely blown away by it. And it's an experience you need to have. Um, You can go order a lightsaber online. You can probably get, actually, I can attest to this, you can get better lightsabers if you want to do combat lightsabers um, online. But you can't get this experience. This is a unique, exclusive to the Disneyland Park experience that if you're a Star Wars fan and you love the Force, you got to do it. You got to do it. You really do. And, you know, what was interesting was that my original plan was just to go in by myself uh, because I didn't think that um, Vivian would be interested at all. And when we got to the park, I'm very happy to say that after being exposed to Galaxy's Edge, my daughter is now supercharged on Star Wars, which is fantastic. But you're raising her right. <laughs> and what was interesting was. The day that I was scheduled to to do the lightsaber thing, my daughter then uh, comes up and asks if she can be a part of it. And the cool thing about this experience is that you're allowed to bring one person with you and they can watch. Like there's, there's one person who's like the dedicated lightsaber builder, right? But you can also have someone who just witnesses it, partakes in what's going on. So I had her come in as my cute little Padawan learner and everybody who was working there keyed on her because I mean she's seven she's like the only little seven year old that's in there and she's just you know all big eyed looking around like what is this you know and what was really special I'll never forget this is she helped me to build my lightsaber and it was the coolest thing because when it came to the kyber crystals I was going back and forth in my mind about do I because I wanted either blue or green and I was like I don't know if I want blue or green blue or green well, they, they come out and they have this really neat cylindrical contraption that, that houses the kyber crystals that you pick. And so I, I turned to her when they were asking me which one I would like. And I asked her, I'm like, which one did you think I should get? And she said, blue. And I was like, all right, we're going to do blue. And the really neat aspect about these kyber crystals is that they actually do affect the color of your lightsaber. So I could totally dismantle the lightsaber that I put together take out the kyber crystal and put in like a green one, it will change the blade to green. Nice. So it's... it's Yes, it will. I have several. <laughs> <laughs> I have several crystals. <laughs> and see, that was one of the things that like, unfortunately, I didn't know this, but like when you're done with the experience, you can actually go back to like the front area of, of where this takes place and you can purchase like multiple kyber crystals or like if you wanted to buy like extra parts for your lightsaber or even like entire kits from the other three themes that you didn't choose. You can, I mean, you can buy all kinds of stuff there, but I just didn't know that. So unfortunately I wasn't able to do that. However, I I, I know Nick got the hookup for sure. (laughs) I would like an orange 
lightsaber. Do they have an orange? Mm, no, Steve, they don't have an orange. They have yellow. They, do, do they have yellow? <sighs> they have no, yellow. I have yellow. Orange one. You know what? They didn't say that they had yellow because yellow would, would have been an interesting color for me to, to consider as well. They just they were saying they only had blue, green, purple, and red. When you go into the experience, those are the only colors they have. But if you go into the little uh, shop that's around the corner, oh! another little shop, you can get white, you can get yellow, oh, man. and you can actually, if you get lucky, if you're getting a red crystal, you can occasionally get a black kyber crystal that actually turns your blade red. But it's a special. They only, I think they only put out like 20 of them a day. Wow. And it's totally random. But you could buy a red crystal and get this black kyber crystal that turns your lightsaber red too. And the kyber crystals actually, um, Emma got the Jedi holocron. You can take the kyber crystals and you put them in the holocron and then it has messages. Oh, wow. From different people. So like we have, we put in my green one and Qui-Gon would talk to you and one Yoda would talk. And I guess it's not necessarily always the same thing because the, the crystals are all a little bit different. So you could have two green crystals but get two different messages in the holocron. That is so cool. Yeah. So we've been sticking all of them in her holocron <laughs> to see what they have to say. And, uh, it's, it's pretty sweet. You can even put the red one in the Jedi one and Yoda comes on and warns you about going and being swayed by the dark side. of the Oh, mm. do not go down this path to evil lies. It is <laughs> very nice. Yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah. see the, man, I had no idea like that. I'm so glad that you said that Nick, because I had no idea. First of all, there was a, a yellow crystal and, or the fact that I, I heard something about what is, is, is it pronounced holocron? Is that what you said? Yeah. The Jedi. Holocron. See, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know where to pick that up. So same store. Are you talking about the antiquity store? Yes. It's the one where they sell the, the movie uh, replica yes. blades. They sell the crystals in there too. Okay. See, that's where you sell. Them. That's one of the things that for us, because we, we were very much in that whole, like, you know, must ride as many rides as possible mode because Vivian had never been to the parks at all. So that was like, our focus was like, not only were we at galaxy's edge, but we were going everywhere. We were like trying to ride every single ride we possibly could, which diminished the amount of time I had um, in galaxy's edge, which again, is not like a death sentence because it just means that the next time I go, there's all this other stuff I get to experience uh, on the, on the second uh, time through. Anyway, just to, to um, go back really quick about my daughter. So like there are other little parts as well on the lightsaber that, uh, you know, I, I would reach for one particular item and her little hand would like come out and, 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 and point at the other one instead. And so I was like, oh, you want me? Okay. So I'll take that one and, and, uh, and put it on. And, and, and she has good taste, I, I must say. She made a fine saber. I've seen she, it. She has indeed. In fact, I think it's it's worth noting that uh, I have it here on the table. If I can successfully reach for it. <laughs> Use the force. Pull it to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I do think it is worth noting that Nicholas and I have a very similar looking lightsaber, but I'm going to see if I can try and like not hit anything with the blade. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the studio lights. There goes the lights. But you know, if you, if you flip it on, you know, you, you can, you can hear it. And it's, oh, I almost hit a light just then. How about that? Anyway, it's a little difficult to see right now because of all of our studio lights, but we went with the, the blue color. Put it up against mine. The black of my shirt. Oh. I'm sure you'll be able to Let's see it that way. Ah. Maybe here. Ah. Be careful. Ah. I, I don't want to ah. cut you, Steve. Hold on. Ah. 
uh, you can kind of <laughs> see it like that. No, 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 not really. Not really. No, it's too bright in here. But yeah, uh, really if you want to see like yeah. a, a close up really quick, though, I mean, like, if you want to get you know, a little detail, like, uh, be careful. Uh, I don't want to send your eyebrows, Steve. <laughs> send your eyebrows. I'll do enough of that on my own. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get. Oh, oh my goodness. So, yes, very, very cool indeed. I feel like I'm, like, <laughs> making a fool of myself. I'm going to do this in the bathroom in Nick. front of the mirror all night long. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nick, would you be so Looking. kind as to hold up your lightsaber? Is your Schwartz bigger than Russ, or it is Nick's? Let's see if I can get mine through without knocking my mic. Yeah, see, it's, it's a lot harder. So you can see great minds so, yeah. think alike. There's some similarities, but yet there's also a lot of differences, which is the really cool thing about building the lightsabers. Um, my daughters both chose the elemental nature uh, set. Their lightsabers don't look anything alike. Other, I mean, they have a motif that's similar, but even though they were in the same group, they made something looks very different. Um, and you kind of see that same thing with the two of us. I chose purple. It doesn't show up on screen very yeah. well, but I'll turn it on. Ah, you, 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 you get an idea. Yeah. You can see it. Oh. 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 Yeah, you can make some uh, sound. You just heard something. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah, oh yeah, and of course the turn off. Yes. So I played around with this. I, I bought extra scrap parts so I can change quite a few things on mine. And then I also bought the extra the extra kyber crystals so I can change the colors. So I've got reds. So I can do a Sith thing. I bought a whole outfit. I'm a big dork. This is why I didn't get anything for Christmas guys. Uh, because I spend it all at star Wars in between. Well, you're not at wrong Galaxy's for Edge. doing that at all. I think that was money. Well spent. Steve, what were you going to say? How do you get these things on the plane? Like home undamaged? Okay. So check. That's a great oh, question. Thanks Nick. <laughs> it is a very good question. I, <laughs> First of all, what's really, really cool is that Disney has already worked with TSA to be able to not have them harass you. when, when <laughs> This you is bring not this. an actual weapon, okay? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I swear I got this at Disney. It, it, it's a lightsaber. It's awesome. You want to try it? Not going to cut anybody. Oh, hey, 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 come over here for a minute. Come over here. They, they've got something in their bag here. It looks like it's for, uh, you know, clubbing a baby seal. Yeah. <laughs> Can we let them bring that on point? <laughs> Now, now, that doesn't happen because, yeah, you're right. The TSA has already been alerted and they're so used to seeing them now, they don't even like bat an eye right. at them. They're just like, hmm? Especially <laughs> when it comes to those airports that are right next to Disneyland, Disney World. I mean, they must see thousands of those a week. You know what would be kind of cool, though, is if TSA was in on it. And so if you bought like little blasters or something, you're like, or, or your lightsabers, like if TSA kind of did give you a <laughs> you can't bring this on the plane. But we'll let you. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They just need to create a, a Star Wars uh, airline service. Yeah. That would be. Make it look like a money. Or have the TSA that. just be like, like not resistance, but uh, <laughs> like stormtroopers. Just like, I just want to go home. I just want to go yeah. on the plane. You know, they got to like. <laughs> Suddenly this whole this is TSA thing is starting for. to make oh, a lot of sense. Man. No probes. No anal probes. Please. Oh, gosh. Jeez. <laughs> so pivoting from that, I just want to talk real briefly. I know Nick hadn't um, gone into the um, the cantina, Oga's Cantina, mm -hmm. 
we were able to make reservations for that, which is really funny because I literally spent about five minutes in there because it was butted up against my reservation for the, the lightsaber building. <laughs> so I ran in there with the rest of my family just to make sure we got a booth and we did fantastic ambiance in the cantina. The place is legit. They have all kinds of like little Easter eggs from various Star Wars films, that sort of thing. If you, if you take the time to look around, they have uh, the droid from the original Star Tours ride that is no longer a part of Star Tours, unfortunately, but he's the DJ of the cantina. So they've got like all this like actually really good music playing through the cantina and he's up there like, you know, DJing his thing or whatever else. And I was, I was able to have one drink and all my friends who have been to the, the, the galaxy's edge experience, especially uh, more specifically the cantina say that the fuzzy tauntaun is one of the best drinks. So that is what I ordered. And let me tell you, <laughs> that is a delicious drink that, that drink tastes unique and it made my lips numb. There, there's a, there's a fascinating, there, there is, there is an intentional side effect to the fuzzy tauntaun that like makes your mouth temporarily numb. <laughs> I'm sure it sounds healthy. I had the green milk. Yeah, you did. I had the green milk that Luke. How drinks. was that? I didn't have that milky. It was good. It was really good. <laughs> it, it's, it was kind of a, uh, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't moldy. It was sweet. It was, uh, I'm trying to place them. It was a fruity flavor. I've heard that they put like some kind of tequila or something in that. Uh, the one that I had was uh, not okay. alcoholic. It was you could get it outside because I didn't get to go into the cantina. The, the reservations were just gotcha. too booked, and so I, that's the thing I need to do the next time I yes. go back is go into the cantina. But uh, yeah, no, unfortunately that part I did miss. But they had a little booth outside, and I got this cool little jug that looked like the jug that Luke was carrying around, yeah. and was milking that weird animal. Yeah, and I I went ahead and got the the green milk because I wanted to be you know movie authentic go. and it was quite tasty i gotta say and the jug is pretty cool still got that as well uh and of course we didn't really say much about the ride oh we're getting to that don't don't you worry we're, we got to talk about that i was to say don't oh, you yeah. dare end this podcast about <laughs> talking about them rides now, yeah right? no no we're, we're, we're gonna right. get to the rides in just a moment but uh, right. no i i will say though that I, I thought of you and i thought of you nick um, in terms of how fun would it be for us to be able to make reservations at the cantina? Because I looked at the drink menu. They have a lot of drinks. Not only that, the drinks themselves, they look like alien concoctions. Like there's this one, I can't remember what it's called, but it's literally like, it's like this very narrow, tall glass. It has kind of a yellowy green tinge to it. It has dry ice coming out of the top. And then it has these little like balls inside. Oh, it's almost like one of those Asian teas, you know, where it has the balls at the, the bottom. The boba tea. That's it. Mm. They have some way within this, this particular drink where those balls, <laughs> yeah. they bounce like crazy all inside the glass without shooting out. Oh, that's wild. It's, it's, it's totally cool looking. It's very alien, but I mean... That's just one. I mean, they, they have so many other drinks that like from a, from a visual presentation standpoint, it's legit. Like it, it's fun. And not only that, they have a comprehensive list of non-alcoholic drinks that you can oh. order that also have their own unique look and just experience overall, as well as the alcoholic side. So like you can, we would literally be able to sit in there for hours and just try just get all wasted. the different, <laughs> try the different <laughs> Just put it on my tongue. I'm wandering out. 
Anyway, <laughs> what we can do though, I, I I just had to say that really quick, just because <laughs> you end up getting kicked out of the cantina <laughs> by Disney. Like, you I walk up happy. to Kylo Ren, I own a lightsaber duel. I hate your costume. <laughs> You're always like, worst villain? Uh, where's Darth Vader? I was better than you. Yeah, you look like Vader's copies. <laughs> well, yeah. having said all that, mm. let's get into some rides, shall we? Mm. I do think it is worth noting that um, Smuggler's Run was the very first Star Wars ride. I mean, technically, I've been on Star Tours the last time I was at Disneyland. But in terms of going to Galaxy's Edge... The first ride that we went on when we arrived was Smuggler's Run. Now, this was a kind of make it or break it point because both my wife and I were excited and also a little apprehensive about our daughter being exposed to Disney World because it's so much going on. And Star Wars especially is like, I mean, it could be intense for a seven-year-old. And the very first ride that she encountered and experienced was Smuggler's Run out of all the rides in Disney World. And I'm thinking, oh, please, I hope you love this ride. Please, because I mean, you know how kids are. It's like, like they have like a bad experience and then they don't want to do any other rides sure. after that. So you're just like, okay. <laughs> I am happy and relieved to report that Smuggler's Run is my daughter's favorite ride in the entire Disney world park. In fact, she wanted to ride it a second time and she was the pilot. So to give you an idea of like, like this is a motion simulation ride. It's not like you just sit there and you're like, Oh, okay. I mean, it, it's, it'll jerk you around and bump you in and, and it's interactive in terms of like, when you tell the ship to go left, you go left. If you go up, you go up, you go down, you go down. So on. So everyone's forth. barfing at the end. That was fun. Dad. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I'm so glad we survived the castle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it it was <laughs> too many parts. It was such a, a a triumph in terms of the the technology behind the ride because Star Tours itself, I feel it has has really kept up all these years. I mean, that ride debuted, I think, in 1987. I mean, it was a while ago. Yeah, it, was, it, was it is ago. still though like a ride that is really really fun to do. So I was curious about Smuggler's Run because, okay, how are they going to build off that that experience? And I know you've been on um, Star Tours back the last time you were at Disneyland. Yeah. So you have an idea of like how all that stuff It's like works. Days of Thunder and um, Six Flags. Very much. Yes. Very much so. Yes, indeed. So, Nick, can you please describe for us what your experience was like on Smuggler's Run? Well, it was fantastic. That was the ride that my daughter and I kept going on and where they had all the Disney actors out applauding us at the end of the night because it was great because at the end of the night, I mean, again, going back to Batu at night, it's very crowded the day. The later on in the night you get as people start to thin out, especially those with younger kids sure. start to go home, it became more personal. And so that was my daughter's favorite. Oh, ride. right on. Emma's, Emma, Emma's favorite ride there was, was Smuggler's Run. And we went on it... Four, four or five times, nice. I think, over the course of the time we were there. Yes, and we got to try. Uh, I got to try every position but Gunner. I never got a chance to do Gunner, just the way it worked out. But I got to be pilot 
and I got to be How an was the engineer and experience? The engineer experience you would think would be all oh, you're just in the back, it's kind of crummy, but it's actually really fun because it's super interactive and like your score is based on how quickly you respond to the flashing buttons because you're uh-huh. hitting all the buttons. <laughs> and that was actually Emma's favorite favorite um, position. She likes hitting the buttons. She's like, I want to push all the buttons. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's like they go on flashing and you got to pop them so you can get the shields back up or you can hire or fire the harpoon and do that kind of thing. And uh, it's a very interactive, I would say it's probably the most interactive position in the ride. You're constantly doing something. There's always a button flashing. There might be a second or two. I will say, though, that I highly recommend that everybody try and ride it twice if you've only been in the engineer because you are so busy, you miss a lot of what's going on because it's hard to watch what's happening and pay attention to your buttons at the same time. So I I was glad that I was able to be a pilot and be up in front and have fun doing that as well and actually experience the, the actual flying of the Millennium Falcon. But... It's. I'm not sure how it was for you. Did you walk into like a little anterior room and there was a guy up there talking to you about the run and Chewie comes flying in and he basically asks Chewie if they can take the Millennium Falcon? Did that happen for I you I want to say yes, the, at least the first time. The second time, I don't recall that happening, but I do remember him being in that room where like you're kind of getting the... Well, what do you, what you call it? The, the, the briefing, right. Of like what's going on and then it gets interrupted. And so then all of a sudden you're, yeah, we, we did that. The, it's interesting how we didn't do it the second time though, but we did it the first time. They must have different entrances. Cause we, we had it every time you'd see and the animatronics on that guy was fantastic for a little bit. I wasn't sure when I walked in, if it was an actual live actor or if it was right. an animatronic, I had to watch it for a little bit. And I was like, no, it's an animatronic, but it's really it well is. done. And uh, so that was really impressive. And yeah, you're kind of walking through the corridors and they look like the interior totally. of the Falcon, the color motif, the lights, everything. And so it's just it's just a really cool experience. And you get into the cab, you know, the cabin, and it looks like the cockpit of the Millennium it Falcon. It really does. It was, it's just great. And the ride is incredible. Yeah, you get moved around. Actually, my wife kind of tweaked her back the last oh. time we rode it. Yeah, because she was kind of like turned and doing something. I think she was doing That's Gunner. Legit. And uh, <laughs> we got jostled. She was like, oh, my back! You know, because we're old people. And, uh, so. <laughs> we had to wheel her off in a, you know, cart. Not really. I'm totally getting a visual um, of the three of us doing Smuggler's Run. Can you yeah, imagine that, oh, how much gosh. fun we'd have? That'd be awesome. It, oh, it's, what, what? it's cool because it's an interactive ride, right? Like you're doing stuff on the ride you're not just sitting <laughs> well, just, <laughs> who doesn't want that and by interactive i don't mean you know throwing out no, no. I mean, that's a type of interaction that's not the interaction i'm talking well about. and you touch upon something Pretty with that too nick in terms of the overall galaxy's edge experience which is you know when you, when you think of like all of the other lands that disney has created mm. it's much more of a passive experience where you go and you sit down and you and you kind of process what's going on, right. whether it's a ride or you're watching like a, a stage show or something like that. This is the first time where, you know, if, if you think about passive experience versus more of a, a interactive experience or proactive experience, this is very decidedly like they want the patrons to actually get involved, to participate in everything that's going on around them. They, they have really made a lot of effort to, make this atmosphere, immersive, moody experience that 
compels you almost to like want to see what's behind that corner. Oh, what, what what's the significance of this here or whatever? And to have even like like the way that the cast members engage you as patrons and whatnot, I, I feel is like it, it's a new type of approach that Disney has really. I mean, and and I I just I wanted to kind of call that out because I know that Nick, you've you've said that a number of times already, and you're totally right. Uh, so yes. Anyway. I know we can keep talking about Smuggler's Run, but now let us pivot over to Rise of the Resistance. Now, Rise of the Resistance is the newest attraction within Galaxy's Edge. It debuted, I want to say, in 2020. Is, is that correct, Nick? I believe yeah. you're right. I think it was like later 2020. Yeah, so it came out last year. And honestly, because the park closed for the majority of the year, like there really hasn't been very many people... Um, I, you know, who normally would actually go on this ride had COVID not been a thing. They, they actually would have lots of crowds of people. So I think there's, there's a, a significant amount of folks who have not yet experienced it. I was blown away at the level of, once again, the, the feeling of, of stepping into the world of Star Wars. I got to tell you, at one point, so like, like it, you, they kind of start you out, you see like, well, actually, you know what? Let's be careful not to give spoilers on this particular ride because it's, it's still really new. I'm sure I'll forget, Russ. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of our <laughs> listeners and viewers out there. But the listeners, my bad. What I will say from a super high-level spoiler-free perspective is this ride is designed in such a way where um, some of the time you're not actually riding something. You are actually um, going from point A to point B and kind of like a, like you're walking over here or walking over there. It's like a journey. And then there are other times where you actually get into something and you ride it. So it becomes this very like, whoa, where are we going now? Oh, we're going here. Oh, okay. And there was, there's a particular moment where we were, um, walking towards something. I'll just say that. I'm totally serious when I say this. I started to get goosebumps, like goosebumps formed all over my arms and neck. And I'm not just saying like, I mean, they form so hard. Like I turned to my wife and I was just like, my, oh my gosh, I'm like totally geeking out right now. And like, it was weird. It was, it, and she looked and she could see the goosebumps on my arm. She starts cracking up and laughing and telling her parents who came with us too. Like, she's like, oh my gosh, Russ has like crazy goosebumps right now. And I've never felt goosebumps that hardened before. It's the funniest thing to describe. But I mean, it was literally like I was totally caught up in the moment. I was totally immersed in what the, 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 the journey was with regards to rise of the resistance. And my body was physically reacting to how authentic the experience was from a giddy, like deep down somewhere in my cerebellum. My 10 year old was like gleefully just like doing the happy dance. And I've never had goosebumps that have felt it's, it's, it's the, the only way I can describe it is like, they, they just, they, they extruded themselves to a point where it was almost kind of like hurting. It was like, like it was kind of like stiff. It was the coolest thing. But anyway, I'll stop. I'll stop there and, and hand over to Nick. Nick, what was your experience on Rise of the Resistance? I think you nailed it in a word just a second ago. Experience. It is an experience. It's not just a ride. 
it, it literally, yeah, you go from one thing and you have this interaction and then you're getting into this other thing that takes you somewhere else, but then something happens and then it, it's, yeah, it, part of its ride, part of it's just interactive experience. Again, you've got the amazing Disney employees, the Disney actors being a part of the ride as well, interacting with you in, in, in a very, very upfront way, yes. right? <laughs> Uh, it's and it is it is the most immersive ride that i have ever been on in my life there is one point when you come into a hangar and i'll just put it at that you come in a hangar and the sheer scale of the things inside that hangar my mouth was just like (laughs) close that back up here i about i I about yeah it was camera it was camera ready wasn't it camera ready and to scale to scale so i mean if you can imagine things in in star wars between the various spaceships and various other things that exist in that universe we're talking huge things to scale i don't want to go beyond that because i think it's important because it is such a immersive experience we really shouldn't tell you about it too much Um, you need to see it you need to experience it for yourself and me telling you anything or russ telling you anything would cheapen that but let me just say that yeah it is in fact everything it's cracked up to be more and Kind of, I would say it, it like everything in Batu, right? Everything in Batu in Galaxy's Edge. There, that's the name of the the port is Batu. I don't think we man, I don't think we mentioned that. That's what they actually called it, and why? That's the port of right. Galaxy's Edge is Batu. Everything there is about immersion, and it seems like each little thing you do and go from is more immersive. And it continues when you get into these rides. You've got a ride in Smuggler's Run that's super interactive, where you actually have a lot of control over what's happening. And then you've got Rise of the Resistance, which is like living yeah. through a movie. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> it's like a little living through a little short it Star is. Wars film. And yeah, the, the sheer scale of the things that they were doing in there. I was the same as you. I, I just was, I, it's like, I, I wish I could have just stopped. I think that's what I would say. I wish I could have just stopped and slowed down time to have more moments more time to take it all in everything yeah. i was seeing i was trying to snap photos and do all this stuff while i was in there because i was like oh my gosh look at this oh my gosh look at that oh click 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 trying to get pictures it and of course you're also trying not to be rude right for the other the other patrons on the ride but um yeah it's just an incredible experience and it's a ride that's really unlike anything that you probably have experienced it's it's so true and the ride is I can say without hesitation, it's a new benchmark in terms of like the, the Imagineering and the technology behind it. I was actually finding out today that 5 million lines of code operate that one ride. And <laughs> Oh, it's it, crazy. Yeah. There's these things you get in and I'll just say this. There's these things you get in and they move around. Yeah. They're there's not no on rails, rails on the parts that you ride. They're not on rails and they're going all yeah. over the dang place. And you're just like, how in the heck is it doing? Not this to mention the fact that there are multiple <laughs> versions of this thing that you're in where like you will occasionally see other folks and it doesn't hit run into them or what. I mean, it's, it's free roaming. And on top of that too, I heard about how depending on which line you, cause there's a certain point where like, I'm going to be spoiler free here. Um, you are lined up. Of course. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point, but there are multiple lines uh-huh. and based on the line you get into <clears throat> what it, you will actually take a slightly different journey when you take on the ride portion itself. So like certain perspectives or vantage points that I experienced 
some other folks in a different line would have a different journey entirely. Hmm. So more. We, we got on it twice. So I got to explain. Oh, did you really? Different perspectives. Yeah. That, yeah. That's just, that is, that yeah. is super cool. Anyway, we're running a low on time here. I've been having a blast talking about this. There was so much more to talk about. I, I had done um, some oh. digging online and I found a great article by Insider um, that, that lists literally 21 things that you can do at Galaxy's Edge. I had no idea there was that much. And even as I, I talked to you, Nick, and, and I, I just do some research on my own time, I am discovering, wow, like there is a significant amount of stuff that I didn't know existed or that maybe I kind of did, but didn't have time for such as like you get, there's like one um, experience where you can build your own droid. You can choose between like a BB eight or an R2D two. And not only that, like when you build it, like it actually interacts with other droids that have been built within the park. So you'll be walking around the park. And if you pass by someone else who has one of those droids, they start talking to each other and like having reactions at random. Like, I mean, just that alone, you're just like, oh my gosh, like I, I've got to try that. I've got, I've got to see what that's about. But um, anyway, I figure I would open the floor briefly here for you, Steve, because I know uh, Nick and I have been just running amok <clears throat> with our uh, experiences with this. Do you have any questions as someone who has not yet been to Galaxy's Edge? Uh, well, it all kind of boils down to the experience because, I mean, you guys are trying to paint a picture. Yes. Um, but a picture mental of what I am thinking versus actually being there is two completely different things. Sure. Um, so, I, actually, I I don't have really much, any questions because it's one thing just to hear you talk about it. Yeah. And it's another thing to actually be there and see it and hear it and smell it, taste it. You can, you know what there I'm saying? Are, there are smells as well, FYI. Yes. Oh, man. Does it, well, I'll, I'll ask you a question then, Steve. Are you, does it interest you? Are oh, you shit. excited to someday be able to go and experience Galaxy's Edge for yourself? Just got to get there, Russ. Oh. It all takes is just money, Russ. We'll find a way. Because this man needs to experience what that which Nick and I have seen and loved. Mm. Indeed. Poetic. Nick, do you yes, have you any do. concluding thoughts before we sign off? Yeah, I, I would just say if you're plain and simple, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's a must. It's a must do. Pick a park. Doesn't matter which side you go to, you're going to have a fantastic experience. Whether you go to the California and go to, to Disneyland or if you go to Florida and go to Disney World, it's absolutely one of those things. If you're a big fan of that universe, you need to go and you need to experience it. You will not be disappointed. Uh, I will say that uh, the other things in the other parts of the park are also fantastic as well. Disney is always a great experience. I really enjoyed oh, the, yeah. Avengers, the Avengers section of, of California Adventure uh, as well. So that's pretty cool. But nothing is quite on the level from immersion, I think, with Galaxy's Edge. It's just its own special kind of beast, and it's pretty darn cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. We actually didn't even have uh, the option to check out the Avengers. I think that is a California-only thing at this time. I'm sure they're planning on on releasing kind of like a, a or opening a Disney World version of that, but that was something I have yet to, to experience myself. But yeah, I am 
thoroughly impressed about just what they have managed to achieve with this part of the park. Um, it is certainly a love letter to star Wars fans. It's incredible to me that I, as a kid from the eighties who grew up on the original trilogy and just ate up all of the splendor that is star Wars can now in my forties be able to take my family to a place where it, it is very much as if I just stepped off uh, the monorail and into the world of star Wars. And I, I'm for one, I'm very much looking forward to making multiple trips back. I can't recommend it enough. And it makes me really excited for the future, honestly, of that particular area. Like what other future rides or experiences do they have planned long-term? If you're to look out like say five years, 10 years, what's interesting is that since galaxy's edge opened, it seems like they're doling out one new attraction per year. So it makes me wonder how many do they have lined up in the wings I know that that I think the next thing they're going to be doing is some sort of hotel experience that's going to debut, I think, this coming March, like in 2022, where you stay at this Star Wars type of hotel that's designed around the idea of being like some sort of intergalactic cruiser that like goes through the galaxies. You can spend two nights on this thing, and apparently it's like this... It takes basically like what we were describing at a high-level, spoiler-free version of Rise of the Resistance and turns it into like a two-day affair. Uh, apparently it's very, very expensive though. And I think they're still trying to work out like how all that stuff's going to work out. But that <laughs> aside, it does make me wonder very excitedly about, okay, what else are they going to bring in? I mean, Mandalorian, can we get a Mandalorian ride? Yes, please. Is there a Mandalorian walking around? No, no Mandalorian and ship. See, and see, that's the thing that I think is it's, mm. it's so ripe for expansion. We're like, they have such like like the inklings of of like you know they have just a, a few sprinkled characters so far. They could totally like bring out additional characters and flesh it out. Honestly, I think it's kind of like a budget limit. It's like like they spent like all this money. I mean, who knows of you know how many millions of dollars they spent building Galaxy's Edge and these rides. I think they need to like recoup some of their. <laughs> their investment, but I'm sure they will. And then they'll be able to kind of move forward with other plans. I mean, you know, they've got some kind of like crazy list of things they would love to achieve, but that's for another time. I want to thank Nick for uh, joining us again. You, sir, are always welcome on the show. Can't wait for you to come back. And that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it continues helping us financially doing the show. Also, make sure you push that subscribe button and click on that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week every week. And while you're at it, do a search on your favorite social media platform of choice. Just do a search for at joygasm TV. We're on just about all of them. And last but not least, do a search for Joygasmin TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We're going to wish you all a very happy new year, and we can't wait to see you bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in 2022 next week. <laughs>